the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Schneider, and I want to welcome you to today's episode 80 of Say What? where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the very selective reaction displayed over so-called book banning. My co-host, Pastor George Roska, continues his break and will return next week, but I'm still happy to be in studio with our technical producer, Greg Garcia. Now, as listeners may recall from a discussion that we had a while back, there's been a national outcry from progressive voices over the decision of some states and sensible school districts to remove or at least restrict access to particularly offensive materials from school libraries. Some notable examples of books parents would like to restrict access to include Lawn Boy, a coming-of-age novel about a Mexican-American character's journey to understanding his own sexuality and ethnic identity, and that idealizes profanity, pornography, gambling, and homosexuality. Another one is It's Perfectly Normal. This is a book for ages 10 and up that is filled with realistic cartoon porn and illustrated images of sex acts. Another one is Not My Idea, a book about whiteness. You can imagine what this is about, a book that parents claim actually promotes racism. Well, truth be told, America hasn't actually banned books in a 100 years. While we may restrict library materials, virtually anything and everything can still be found in the marketplace of ideas. I'm talking about sources like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and the hundreds of independent book distributors where you can find anything you want. We're really talking about sensible measures to restrict access to materials the taxpayers are being told they have to make available to minor children. But still, there's tremendous hysteria out there. In fact, I'm looking at a tweet from the Authors Guild where they say, conservative attacks against schools and libraries have proliferated nationwide over the past two years. And librarians themselves have been harassed and even driven out of their jobs. 
And in the tweet is a picture of a person reading a book entitled Gender Queer. Well, this is a book that has illustrated pornography in it featuring children performing fellatio on sex tools. So this is one of the books that the Authors Guild wants to ensure that is in every children's library across the country. And woke public school librarians are actually attempting legal challenges to make sure that books like these stay available to minor children, even elementary school children. Megan Fox, she's a journalist that writes for PJ Media, recently said this, quote, libraries for decades have been the ultimate safe spaces, but now they've become ground zero in the ongoing culture wars with battles over banned books drag queen story hours, and free access to porn raging all over the country, from Louisiana to Idaho to Washington State, as well as to cities like New York and Los Angeles. The average person, she writes, has no idea of this, but librarians have been targeting children in recent years and trying to turn them into political activists. She quotes from Dan Kleiman, a self-described library watchdog from Chatham, New Jersey, who runs a website called, quote, Safe Libraries for more than 10 years. In fact, Kleinman has documented the alarming radicalization of the nation's libraries, including what he said is readily available porn on library computers, where a lot of the really offensive material is found today. Notwithstanding, Amanda Jones The president of the Louisiana Association of School Libraries has sued certain parents for what she called defamation in her lawsuit. Apparently, these parents had the temerity to call her a groomer for wanting to keep sexually explicit books in the library. Well, as you might have expected, this case was dismissed as being frivolous. But there's a more important question to ask here. Can libraries legally filter materials? Do they have the right to do that? Well, the answer, according to the Supreme Court, in a case called the United States versus the American Library Association that goes back 2003, the answer is yes. In fact, in the ruling, the court stated, quote, to fulfill their traditional missions of facilitating learning and cultural enrichment, Public libraries must have broad discretion to decide what material to provide to their patrons, including over the Internet. The interest in protecting young library users from material inappropriate for minors is legitimate and even compelling, said the court. So, Notwithstanding this court ruling, um, it's understandable why while people want to have hesitation before they ban books, even for school children. And we have an instinctual resistance to banning books in America. After all, we do live in an open society, and we want to keep it that way. It reminds me of a, a book that goes back to 1950 from the famous science fiction writer Ray Bradbury, entitled Fahrenheit 451. Some of our listeners may have read that book. 
It's about a dystopian future where the protagonist, Guy Montag, is a fireman whose job in the book is to find and destroy banned books, uh, along with the private homes that those banned books are found in. In fact, in the book, the government had banned all books, all books, and you couldn't find them anywhere except for comics, trade journals, and, of course, pornography. That the government had allowed. And there's some eerily familiar overtones with what we're seeing today played out in American society. Uh, There's also a play that goes all the way back to 1925 that some of our older listeners will well remember called Inherent the Wind that was about banning books on evolution. In fact, it, it chronicled the, uh, the, the contest between the attorney William Jennings Bryan and Clarence Darrow about banning books on evolution in the public schools. So, you know, we have this, this long uh, established antipathy toward banning materials. But there is, you know, sensible uh, actions that need to take place in terms of what our children uh, are being exposed to, what they're learning, particularly taxpayer-funded materials that are going into school libraries. And we have a sensible historical approach that we've used in the past for making these kinds of decisions, where we balance openness with what are called community standards. We have this, we used to have this, uh, what's called age appropriate, uh, metric. Some materials merit banning or at least restricting based on the age appropriate criteria. And this has been the practice for most of American history. Remember, teaching materials are purchased by taxpayer dollars to promote the general welfare as, as defined by the local community. Students are a captive audience, we have to remember, instructed by authority figures. And it's a parent's job as members of the community to ensure that a child's welfare is being both promoted and protected. And there's also a balance that we need to strike. For example, if a library is going to carry Ibram X. Kendi, it should also carry Ibram X. Kendi's counterpoint, like the historian John McWhorter, who wrote the book Woke Racism. If it's going to carry Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, which is a book established for high schoolers, it should also carry Heather McDonald's The War on Cops. And local school districts ought to have the authority to make these decisions and traditionally have in American history. But there is an actual book going on in American culture, and it's mostly coming from progressives. In fact, there's a whole progressive cancel culture that the famous lawyer Alan Dershowitz calls in his book of the same name. In fact, his opinion is that, quote, the cancel culture is the new McCarthyism of the woke generation. And it's not just coming from academic circles. It's coming from companies as well. In fact, there's the famous case where Amazon killed the Catholic scholar Ryan Anderson's book when Harry became Sally, responding to the transgender movement from being sold on its site. In fact, Ryan Anderson tweeted, a week after they removed my book, 
Amazon still refuses to say which aspect of their content policy of the book violates after three years of not violating that policy. And they refuse to say which page of the book commits the offense. And Amazon isn't the only one. Several book distributors like Target uh, censored Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Crave Seducing Our Daughters. Also canceled was Senator Josh Hawley's book, Critical of Woke Tech Companies, as reported by in an article by Publishers Weekly. Quote, it took Simon & Schuster a little over 24 hours to change course on its planned publication of Josh Hawley's forthcoming book, The Tyranny of, of Big Tech. On the morning of January 6th, Hawley was a junior senator from Missouri who was aggressively challenging the results of the presidential election. But by the end of the day, he was seen by many as having played a major role in inciting a riot at the Capitol. By the morning of January 7th, Simon & Schuster announced that it was canceling the publication of his book, raising questions about the future of conservative authors and the country's biggest houses. So these are just some, you know, a few examples of progressive culture banning conservative books and ideas. But the canceling of conservative thinkers on public school campuses is much worse. Classics from Western literature, from Homer and Shakespeare to Mark Twain and even Harper Lee are now being canceled regularly in schools across the nation. Shakespeare's glaring progressive sin was his anti-Semitic treatment of Jews in his famous play, The Merchant of Venice. Harper Lee's ostensible sin in, in creating the hero Atticus Finch a white liberal would-be savior of a black man wrongly accused. You can't have that. In addition to authors, officials in San Francisco even began stripping offensive names from public schools, like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and even Democratic U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who is a living witness to her own cancellation. But there's something even more offensive, and that's can be found on the California Departments of Education website. The California CDE has its own recommended literature list. Now, mind you, this is a positive thing to have. If school teachers want to find resources to be able to offer their students of things that have been traditionally been found to be recommended literature, they ought to have a a one-stop shopping place to go and find it. But we have to ask ourselves, what is literature? What's it considered to be? Well, historically, these have been known as great works which have stood the test of time either in fiction or nonfiction, with a very important message, uh, with a historical underpinning that gives context to what our history is about, um, that are works of, of great understanding and prose. And we don't have to imagine some examples of what these works are. I'll just give you a list of some authors that have traditionally been known as being authors uh, writing great literature, like Louisa May Alcott, Aristotle, Marcus Aurelius, Frank Baum, Ray Bradbury, G.K. Chesterton, Chaucer, Stephen Crane, Charles Dickens, 
Alexander Dumais, Emerson, Ernest Hemingway, Homer, Victor Hugo, Rudyard Kipling, C.S. Lewis, I could go on in the list, Plato, George Orwell, Sir Walter Scott, how about William Shakespeare, Sophocles, Jonathan Swift, J.R.R. Tolkien, H.G. Wells, E.B. White, Walt Whitman, all of which older Americans will remember learning about and reading uh, when they went to school in years past. Well, you would imagine that you would find a right representation of all of these authors on the California Departments of Education recommended literature list. The truth is that none of these classic authors are found. But works from Michelle Obama, Ibram X. Kendi, and Trevor Noah are. In fact, for ninth to 12th graders, there's not a single recommended book written before 2016, which conveys the message that the works of the past are not worthy of reading. Why have the classics of Western literature been banned from our public schools? Because they don't fit with the new orthodoxy. In fact, there's this old Soviet joke. The future we know, it's the past that keeps changing. And California is not teaching the past. What it is teaching is sex and gender theory, critical race theory, social emotional learning, and historical revisionism. A good example of which is the 1619 Project, co-authored by Nicole Hannah-Jones. What does the 1619 Project teach? Well, it teaches that America was founded in 1619, not 1776, that the Revolutionary War was fought to preserve a slaveocracy, that the Declaration of Independence is a fraud, that Lincoln was a racist, and that capitalism was invented by slaveholders. Now, it may interest our listeners to know that the 1619 Project has been discredited, not just the the world's leading historians, but also black intellectuals and scholars. People like John McWhorter, Shelby Steele, Carol Swain, Wilfred Riley, and Robert Woodson of the 1776 Unites Project. Why is this a concern to us? Well, as Lincoln famously wrote, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And outside California, there's a number of states that seem to understand this basic truth. Florida, for example, hasn't forced schools to stop learning Harper Lee's classic novel To Kill a Mockingbird, despite misleading posts that amass thousands of shares on social media. The false claim erupted after various social media users shared a list of book titles that said showed books that were banned in Florida, like To Kill a Mockingbird, that were on that list, as were other well-known titles, including A Wrinkle in Time, The Giver, and Of Mice and Men. Brian Griffin, press secretary for Florida's Republican governor, confirmed in several tweets that that claim was completely false. But its state legislature did democratically pass a law to not teach critical race theory ideology to its elementary public school kids. For that, it found itself on the receiving end of national media umbrage. 
and from and from the Biden administration. It even got called out by Bob Chabeck, the CEO of the Disney Corporation. But by contrast, let's look at Florida's Florida's recommended reading list. And you can find it from its bookmark for excellent student thinking publication, or simply best. On January 31st, 2019, Governor DeSantis issued Executive Order 1932 outlining a path for Florida to improve its education system by eliminating Common Core and paving the way for Florida students to receive a world-class education to prepare them for the jobs of the future. And this publication takes its inspiration from Frederick Douglass, the great civil rights leader of the 19th century. In fact, in the opening remarks to this publication uh, is the quote from Frederick Douglass, and I'll read it for you. Without education, he lives the life within narrow, dark, and grimy walls of ignorance. Education, on the other hand, means emancipation. It means light and liberty. It means the uplifting of the soul of man into the glorious light of truth, the light by which men can only be made free. To deny education to any people is one of the greatest crimes against human nature. It is easy to deny them the means of freedom and the rightful pursuit of happiness and to defeat the very end of their being. Again, that's a quote from Frederick Douglass. Uh, that Florida draws its inspiration of. So Florida doesn't airbrush America's history, but neither does it rewrite it. And unlike California, virtually all the works omitted by California's De- California Department of Education are found on Florida's list of recommended literature, including authors from T.S. Eliot, Galileo, Booker T. Washington, Hawthorne, Frederick Douglass, Alexis de Tocqueville, Sophocles, Euripides, Virgil, John Locke, Tolstoy, Machiavelli, Yeats, Homer, even William Shakespeare, in that scourge of woke orthodoxy, the Bible, all of which can be found on Florida's recommended literature list. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Um, Citizens should be rightly concerned with efforts to ban books. But communities, including the California school districts, have a right to make sensible decisions about what kids are being exposed to. Will our children be exposed to works of literature that engender within them virtue and character? Or will California continue to expose them to works that just indoctrinate them in woke orthodoxy? The answer to that question will probably rely on how much action parents directly take in their children's education to make their voices heard. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I hope this has been enlightening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week on Say What? 
You've been listening to Say What, the radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.